0: All right, well, let's do some, some quick introductions and, and jump into newsletter 2.11. So I'm Mike Schmidt. I'm a contributor at Optech, and I also um, run Brink, which is a not-for-profit funding Bitcoin developers. Merch, um, you want to introduce yourself real quick?
1: Sure. Hi, I'm Merch. Uh, I work at Chaincode Labs. I co-host the New York Devs and... Um, I'm a moderator on Bitcoin Stack Exchange. I uh, I try to contribute to various projects in this space.
0: Andrew, you want to give a little introduction for folks who don't already know who you are?
2: Yes, yeah. uh, I'm Andrew. I am an engineer at Blockstream, um, and I work on Bitcoin Core, mostly in the wallet.
0: Excellent. Um, well, the reason that we wanted to have Andrew on this week was that our. Um, News item here is about uh, a mailing list post and a proposed BIP. Um, And I'll I'll take a quick crack at at a high-level summary. And then, Andrew, I'd like you to expand on it. And then um, I have a couple of questions and a a few discussion items we can have about the BIP. Um, So my understanding is the proposed BIP is to add um, some functionality, essentially augmenting BIP380, which specifies script descriptors and allowing those script descriptors to, um, you, you can essentially speci- specify multiple derivation paths in a sin- single descriptor as opposed to having multiple descriptors that largely duplicate the, the same information. When you're, uh, I guess the canonical use case is a receive address. Uh, or a, a set of receive addresses and then um, a descriptor for change addresses. And so this simplifies that common use case as well as eliminating a lot of duplication. Is is that directionally correct, Andrew? Do you want to elaborate on that a bit?
2: Yeah, um, that's basically correct. So the problem is basically um, people were using descriptor wallets and, and they realized that uh, In order to make a backup of their wallet, if they're using a really simple one that just has one set of um, keys and and one script type, uh, they would still have to have two descriptors, one for receiving, one for change. And these descriptors would be identical, except for one derivation path element. Um, And so uh, someone a while back requested a way to represent both of those in one descriptor. And so that's what this proposed BIF does. It's a new syntax in the descriptor derivation path thing that allows you to specify any number of elements of path indexes that can go in that space. And it just expands into a bunch of descriptors of each one having a different uh, element in that space.
0: What was the origin of of that request? I, I, I missed that part that somebody had requested this feature.
2: Um, this was like requested probably a year and a half or two years ago or something. Uh, and I believe it was from Greg Raw with uh, Sparrow Wallet. I think he was the first one that asked this. Maybe someone else did. I don't I remember. Um, but uh, after that happened, I had opened a pull request to Bitcoin Core to add it. And um, there had been some discussion on the actual syntax to use. And Sparrow was the first one to start using it long before the BIP existed. So there's been a PR open to core for like a year, and then only recently have I decided to finally uh, write write a BIP for
0: it. Gotcha. And so the the BIP seems to specify uh, more generally a syntax to for for allowing multiple path descriptors. It's not just a um, receive and change specification. Is that right? And I I know there's some discussion on the mailing list about that. It seems like you're proposing something more generalized, but also if there is a case of two path descriptors that you, you sort of treat it like receive and change, but there could potentially be three path descriptors or four or five. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the original spec was just two. For receive and change but some people have requested that it be a bit more general to allow any number um, so you could have three four or five however many you want um and and i think the main thing now is just it's just going to be that we interpret two as the first is receive the second is change and then with like any more than that we're not going to interpret what the descriptor should be what each descriptor should be used for until some Future specification that needs those extra descriptors uh, comes along, so I, I think that was uh, Dimitri's suggestion that that we should only have specified two has a specific meaning. Anything else does not have any meaning, but can still be parsed. Still becomes a bunch of descriptors, just nothing, no specific use case yet.
0: So, how do you think? How do you think about that? Because because it, it, you. You could just specify the bit for for the two, and this is how it should be treated. And then, when someone comes along for three or or whatever, I guess they could propose a bit that specifies how those should be handled in theory. Although there could there could be competing use cases for for a different number of um, path derivations, I, I suppose. Um, but just, I guess this is sort of two and one. One is the syntax to specify path descriptors and then a second portion of it is specifying what ha- what you how you should treat two path descriptors um, I guess how do you think about restricting it just to the two versus allowing allowing it to support many and not unspecified behavior for those um, so
2: the general ethos with descriptors I would say is to allow is to be really generic. So we can allow a lot of things to happen. We can allow the user to do whatever they want. And so it, 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 under that ethos, it seems reasonable that you should allow a descriptor to have a ton of multi-path, multipath specifiers. So like the original idea was to be extremely generic, where any of the path elements could have a multipath specifier. But this is actually completely impractical because it's combinatorial, combinatorial explosion there. Um, so then we limit it to just one, and and with just one, it's still reasonable to have any number of these in the multipath specifier. So uh, I went with being a bit more generic than restricting to two and allowing however many, um, because we it only grows linearly instead of like exponentially. So the, the idea is, is that uh, um, descriptors allow you to, a descriptor allows you to, to watch and spend for the addresses that it specifies. So it's even when there is no meaning assigned to um, the other, uh, more than two multipath descriptors. Uh, even when there's no meaning assigned to those other descriptors, a wallet today, can, if it implemented the spec, would still be able to watch for all the coins sent to those addresses, would still be able to generate those addresses, would still be able to spend them. So even if a meaning is assigned in the future, it's not necessarily breaking anything. Um, like, a future meaning would kind of be a soft fork. It's restricting what you can use these for, rather than saying, here's a new type of descriptor that we need to add.
1: Um, I, th- I think what's really interesting here is it's a generic way of being able to make everyone that implements suspect be able to recover all the coins that were sent to all paths. Even if they only understand the first two to have a specific meaning, you will uh, generally be able to recover your coins, spend them, and then yeah as Andy said it's sort of soft forking in more meaning later but starting very generic at first and uh, maybe to to just give an example, so uh, some uh, services have started allowing their users to set one specific derivation, or to, to hand over an extended public key, so that when they withdraw, they automatically always use a new address. They still share this information with the service, of course, and the service will be able to derive all the addresses in that chain, but uh, nobody else learns because they don't reuse addresses and. By having the ability to have multiple descriptors in a wallet, you can have your generic receive addresses, your change addresses, and then such paths, uh, extended public keys that you use for specific services,
3: for example.
2: Right. That that's yeah. That's like the the general idea around behind having more than just two paths.
0: Now, so currently this would be done just essentially copying and pasting the original descriptor and changing the derivation path so you'd have duplication of a lot of that same information for descriptor 1 which would or descriptor 0 which would be re- receive addresses and copy and paste that again and change the derivation path for descriptor 2 or, or the second descriptor which would be the change um that doesn't sound so bad, Andrew. So you know, what what, what are some of the uh, maybe reasons why this this copying and pasting is bad, or or this duplication of these descriptors and just tweaking the derivation path is is bad? Um, are, is there considerations for hardware devices, etc.?
2: Well, I think there's two reasons. One is um, for users. So if a user when a user like exports their wallet or something and they get a descriptor back, um, they may not realize that they're getting, they actually need to get two descriptors back, not just one, because if they don't get the change from descriptor, then now they're missing all their change funds and that's bad. So so there's kind of a usability aspect where it's, it's confusing if the user gets two things back when they, in their head, they think it should be one because um, users are often not aware of the whole change thing. Uh, the second part is that when you have more complicated, um, more complicated descriptors, it can get pretty unwieldy. So the simple example is just a multisig. Uh, when we do, when you do multisigs, you want all the participants to also be using the you know change and receive paths. So now every single key in the multisig has to have this derivation path changed. You have to make sure that each one is changed, and then you know. If you're copying a multi sig descriptor, um, they can go up to n of 20, 15, 20, something like that, uh, and those can be pretty big. So it's it's still not even um, it's not that simple. Uh, and and you know with miniscript because miniscript is just an extension of descriptors, miniscript you have way more complicated policies with tons of keys and whatever, and all of those you might also want to have, you know, the change and receive path. Uh, and so it can get even even crazier when you add in a mini script to this. So having the syntax just to do all of that in one descriptor is a lot easier and a lot simpler when we account for uh, all the other cool things that you can do with descriptors.
0: That makes sense. Um, are there any strong objections, strong, valid objections to this? Do do you expect that there would be any sort of of pushback here or is this going to sort of be smooth sailing for, for adoption since there actually is already seemingly some adoption from some of the Sparrow folks?
2: I, I expect that it will be pretty smooth sailing. Um, it's still, it's a pretty small change and, uh, I intentionally chose characters that were not being used anywhere else in Descriptor so that implementing it would be super easy. Um, and yeah, I, I've spoken with uh, all the people who work on Miniscript, like Andrew Polstra, Peter Walla, and they all seem fine or at least ambivalent towards it. So I don't think there will be uh, any blockers on this.
0: When you're thinking about uh, a change like this or or i guess an enhancement to a spec in which potentially multiple software vendors and organizations need would would want to buy in or or opine on it is the place to have that discussion the the bitcoin dev mailing list or do you also reach out in other group chats or email lists or individually to wallet developers to socialize these sorts of ideas.
2: Um, I think the Bitcoin Dev mailing list is the primary place for this kind of discussion uh, And I mean personally I do reach out to some people um, so I know so for example uh, ledger uses a slightly different syntax. They invented their own different syntax to do change and receiving because they needed to have this too. So I've reached out to the people at Ledger that implemented this and told them about the spec and, and the proposed syntax so that they're aware of it and then they can start implementing it. Um, so, I mean, it's for me, it's Bitcoin dev mailing list and then also talking to specific people that I know were interested in this change.
0: It sounds like, well, from what you mentioned, since this some of the motivation here was from the Sparrow Wallet team, um, that they already have a similar syntax. Now, I saw Pavel from Satoshi Labs also saying that they've been using this for quite some time in Trezor in production. Um, do you have an idea? Are, are they using that same syntax that Sparrow's using that that you've also proposed? Or are they using a, a, a separate syntax from what, what is in the BIP?
2: I think they're using the same one um, because this is because they're both based on the PR to core that I wrote a while back, uh, and and that was that uses the same syntax. Um, so I, I think they're all just using the same thing, which is great because that means they're already compatible.
0: Would would it have been? Well, I don't know if this happened or not, but you mentioned that there was a different syntax proposed by the ledger folks, and that they're potentially using that. Um, in the wallet space since there's so many different softwares and vendors, like, is there a place where they, should should they have brought that to the mailing list or should they have discussed on your previous PR, like their syntax, or, uh, I mean, obviously they have the full right to go ahead and, and write their software as they wish, but it would seem like now they've sort of caused a bit of an issue for themselves. And I'm just wondering if you would encourage Folks working on some, some of that spec type stuff to to surface the the those discussions a bit sooner.
2: Yeah, so I w- I would say that you know people who are working on specs that aren't fully complete to be a little cautious, and if they are doing something that is, uh, if they're adding something new, they should probably propose it to the mailing list. Um, but I know that for Ledger specifically, it's not really a problem for them, and and this change is simple enough that it's it is just a drop-in replacement, and they can they can add some code to deal with both ways of doing it, uh, so it's not a problem, not that much of a problem. But yeah, in general, you know, I, I am of the opinion that adding spec changes uh, or adding they adding your own changes to an existing specification should be something that that goes on the mailing list. Um, especially when it's something that will be uh, either it's when it's something that will be external, so uh, when other developers will see it or when users will see it. Uh, but I, I also know that several wallets don't do this, and even in Bitcoin Core, we kind of didn't do it. Descriptors was implemented in Core uh, long before the BIPs were written. So it's something that, that we should aspire to do.
0: Um, speaking of Wallet vendors and and developers, Rodolfo, I, I see that you've joined us. I invited you to speak. If you're not in the middle of something, feel free to opine on some of this um, merch. Any any ways we other ways we could explore this topic that you think would be valuable or? Mm, I
1: I think that maybe it's important to point out that it's been a very long. Uh, use uh, that you have these two paths and um, I, I think this is this is all pretty straightforward and expected and um, it just makes the backups more powerful and as Andy said it keeps everything in one place so you have a single item that backs up the whole wallet so I, I think we've, we've mostly covered it I see that Red is up here now
3: Hey guys I am driving in a location that may be bad cell signal, so uh if I drop i drop but uh if I can contribute anything, let me know
0: what what is uh cold cards take on multiple derivation path descriptors in the new uh,
3: yeah so i haven't um uh, i haven't uh, uh looked too much into it uh but Generally speaking, if it's not something that breaks too much what we do and how we do things, we tend to integrate them, especially if they become a BIP. Uh, unless it's something we want to do, we tend to not integrate things that are not BIPs yet, uh, just because it's mostly about like not uh, not doing things that we have to redo after. Uh, because of the install base is quite large now, so that that can be a problem. We we don't want to have to have users update the software if they don't have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be nice. I, I think even with the current version, um, people have stopped having issues with uh, with um, with recovery. I'd say since we we all moved to PSBTs. And we had the early versions of descriptors, although we don't find that most users use descriptors at all. It's since, although it's been in cold card for quite some time now. uh, I think that like a lot of the issues have greatly dismissed and we can see that on support. Hardly ever we get an issue where somebody doesn't have the paths. I think it's attributed to the fact that like paths are now mostly standard between wallets. Uh, and the biggest um, install base for desktop wallets seem to be Electrum and Sparrow, and those two share the same defaults. So I think it's just sort of like how the cards sort of fell on the table more than original design.
0: Andrew, any comments on any of that? No, not really. Yeah,
2: I mean, fun. even, I uh, well, the the derivation path is one thing, but but still the the other thing that is important is the address types, which, um, descriptors covers, but like bit thirty nine doesn't, uh, and and bit thirty two doesn't. So, descriptors does fill in that gap, but also people, there are default uh, types for certain derivation paths, so it also kind doesn't matter, um, and because everyone uses the same defaults. Uh, it's yeah, not a huge problem
3: currently. Yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. Since SegWit native became the default in all wallets, that the support tickets or user sort of requests or any issues really completely disappeared. Uh, we do not have users ever asking for help with any of this stuff anymore.
1: That's, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we're, we're we're moving ahead as an industry. Uh, I, I don't envy a lot of the challenges that that you folks on the on the wallet side run into, but it, it sounds like things are coming together in the ecosystem naturally. So that's good. Also, maybe, maybe one more comment. I. Um...
1: I think it's really nice that we have multiple uh, paths because for one, I know that some enterprise businesses use more than two derivation paths. Uh, They have a single shared secret and uh, then they add more paths for each output type. And um, now with the standard, they'll be able to represent their derivation paths in the same way as everybody else. So it kind of ties back. Alternative standards seem to have one big thing.
0: Should we move on from the news merch? Yes. All right. Uh, so we're just going to continue through the Optech newsletter 211. And under notable code and documentation changes, there is a Core Lightning 5441, which updates HSM tool to make it easier to check a BIP39 passphrase against HDC used by core lightning's internal wallet and it no one that pr seems pretty straightforward it essentially gives the, the user a way to check that the the secret is the the correct one the one that you have um i don't have too much familiarity with that uh tool or that that use case but it seems pretty straightforward anybody have a comment on that Mm, Maybe
1: a little bit. So one of the problems with Lightning is, of course, just backing up the regular key material. But uh, the other bigger problem is updating the channel states for open HTLCs. And um, so this is strictly on to just make sure that we can check what key we have and... Uh the, the backup of a Lightning Wallet is still a lot more complex with the moving parts from the channel state.
0: The next relevant PR here is um, Eclair 2253, which adds support for relaying blinded payments. Um, and that's specified in Bolt 765. And so it, Eclair previously had support for Onion messages um, that was opt-in and this was um, about nine months ago um, but they did not have support for um, route blinding and so this pr augments that support to to add blinded payments um, i think also commonly referred to as rendezvous routing or at least previously was merch any any thoughts on blinded payments
1: yeah maybe just a small recap MD. The idea here is in Lightning, the sender already has pretty good privacy. They construct the route, they decide Like they they package everything up in onions and the receiver only uh, gets the last layer of the onion after all the other layers have been peeled back and obviously all the forwarders only see the one uh, stage of the onion before forwarding the remainder to the next hop Uh, this is specifically about receiver privacy so if you want to receive a payment on Lightning Network, um, you basically can construct the last few hops on the uh, the, the innermost parts of the onion before you send out your payment request. And then the sender will um, basically use this kernel of the onion to, to put the other layers around and they don't see the last few hops. So the receiver will still get paid, but the receiver decided the last few hops and the sender never, sorry, the sender never knows what the last few hops were, so they don't actually necessarily know who they paid and what node ID it was and what channels got used.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great explanation and and great clarification. Um, yeah, thank you, Merch. The next item here is uh, LDK fifteen nineteen, um, which uh, is a change that the HTLC maximum mSat field and during channel update messages um, will be required. And it sounds like that most implementations are already doing that, um, even though it it looks like the bolt that specifies this 996 is still, uh, there's a PR to bolt 7, which is um, bolt 996, which is still open. But it sounds like most implementations are already including that field, and that would just make it required Um, And my understanding is that this just simplifies the the message parsing on on the client side by requiring that field there. Merch, I don't know if you have any other background on the motivation for that.
1: Yeah, I I got to write the recap when we talked about uh, that (laughs) recently. So um, I looked a little bit into what this field does. What this field does is it specifies how much money a single uh, hash time lock contract can lock up in the channel. So it gives an upper bound on the individual payment that can be forwarded. And uh, while that was an optional field before, I read in uh, one of these PRs that something like 99.7 of all channel updates already uh, sent this update. And so why LDK especially is proposing to uh, introduce this feed of uh, Uh, field as mandatory is uh, they want to use it as a stand-in for the maximum channel capacity that can be used in either way uh, across multiple HTLCs. So the idea is if you don't allow the whole channel channel balance to be utilized at the same time and locked up in HTLCs, it will be hard for probing attacks to find out where the capacity sits in the channel. Uh, Specifically if you make The maximum capacity that can be locked up in HDLC is less than half of the channel balance. They can only find out uh, where the channel balance is sitting by probing from both sides, and only if it's less than the maximum on one of those two sides. So uh, yeah, basically, this is just an upper bound for a single payment, but the idea is to get better privacy against probing attacks.
0: Makes sense. Rodolfo or Andrew, if you if you have any comments on any of these pull requests, feel free to jump in. I know I know we were talking more about um, wallets and descriptors before, but, but you know you don't have to stay silent if you got something to say. So um, the next uh, the last two PRs are both for Rust Bitcoin. One is related to lock time, and one is related to compact blocks. Um, so the the lock time type um, being added to, to Rust Bitcoin it, uh, can be used with nlock time as well as um, check lock time, uh, BIP, BIP, essentially BIP65 fields. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if everybody is familiar with, with lock time. Maybe, Merch, you can give a, a bit of an overview of, of the lock time options as well as um, what Rust Bitcoin is, is doing to add lock time if, if you're familiar. Um,
1: Andy might be able to help out with this one too but uh, generally lock time allows you to encumber a transaction so that it only becomes valid at some point in the future Uh, if you specify a lock time that is below a certain value it refers to a height and that means that um, at that height the transaction can be included in the block and it becomes valid to be uh, relayed on the network at one less height, uh, so you cannot s- send it before. Well, if you want, if you put it to 100, it can be included in block 100 and can be relayed at after block 99 is found. Uh, the other way of using the lock time field specifies a Unix epoch time, and um, then the number is interpreted as seconds after 1970, I believe, and um, I think it's a few hours of window before that that you're allowed to to relay and uh, uh, put it into a block to account for bad timestamps on servers and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, so where does this use is, for example, in um, Lightning and so forth, we use lock times to Actually, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, lock times are useful to to build cool smart contracts. So,
0: <laughs> Andrew, anything to to add on lock times?
2: Um, no, I think I suspect this may be related to Miniscript because I know Rust Miniscript uses Rust Bitcoin, so and Miniscript allows you to do lock time stuff. So this might be added because of that.
0: Oh, sort of like a prerequisite to to adding that to to miniscript then. Possibly.
2: Okay. I'm not sure. I haven't I haven't actually looked at it. I'm scouring. But the, I would uh, I would be I mean I'm surprised that Rust Bitcoin didn't have lock time stuff in there. But also, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean the first sentence on the the second sentence on the PR says, for example, usage in Rust miniscript. So I'm guessing this is like. Backporting something out of
0: miniscript. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the, the last PR here is rust bitcoin ten eighty eight, which is the uh, essentially similar, adding capabilities for compact blocks. So the idea behind compact blocks is that, um, in, instead of relaying a block full of transactions that potentially your peer already knows you can um, essentially send that block with, without having complete copies of of those transactions. So if your peer already has those transactions in their mempool from being relayed previously, you don't need to download those transactions again. So it essentially makes block relay um, a lot faster to your peers and it saves bandwidth and and it's all good. And that's been around for a while now. And it sounds like this is another um, PR to Rust Bitcoin in which they're adding um, at least some of the initial structures to allow for compact blocks and the creation of a compact block.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess... Um... Maybe So this was proposed in 2016, and the idea is, as you said, to only relay transactions once. And why only once? Well, a full node already will gossip about unconfirmed transactions they hear about and put them in their mempool, and, uh, of course, miners then build the blocks from their own mempools. So most... Um, nodes will have seen most of the unconfirmed transactions before they're included in blocks. And when they first see the transaction, they need to verify already whether the transaction is valid to be included in a block at that point. So they have done most of the verification work. The only step that misses is they will have to check in the block itself whether the block uh, is composed of only valid uh, or transactions that are valid in combination, and um, so what the compact block does is it basically gives you only the ingredient list of the block with short TXIDs and uh, just the list of transactions. There was an extension proposed long time ago that it would automatically also send the last five or so transaction that the the um, the node that was learning about the block itself didn't have yet, because it would assume that its peers might not have heard about those transactions either yet. But so far, I think that's never been implemented in any of the full node software that supports compact blocks. So yeah by by having verified already the transaction when they first got gossiped they can skip a lot of the transaction verification when they get the compact block announcement because they already know that they validated the transaction and it actually reduces the amount of data that gets sent over the wire to announce a new block uh, by something like 90 95% which makes uh, block relay a lot faster and cheaper
0: Great well Thanks everybody for joining. Um I, I think I marked this space as recorded, so feel free to to share that out if you thought it was valuable and that other folks will, would be interested. Um I know I think last week we had um a couple hundred listen live total and um and then a couple hundred more listen to the recordings, at least last I checked. So um, I'm, I'm glad some folks are, are getting value out of this and we'll, we'll do another one next week and uh, we'll see you all then
1: all right thanks for joining bye